0: Let's pray. Gracious God, on this cold day, warm our hearts, our minds, our spirits with your presence. Amen. My sermon today is entitled The Empty Cup. In Matthew's Gospel, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near in the person Of Jesus of Nazareth. So, how does this kingdom of Jesus interface with the world's kingdom or various kingdoms? Matthew is constantly taking up that question. Where do we stand if we believe in Jesus and want to live in his kingdom, but we're stuck in this world? Jesus' Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount are a description of how God's kingdom is different from the world's kingdom. The Beatitudes describe the gaps and voids that open up in our souls and in our world from living in a fallen kingdom while awaiting the promises of Jesus about God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes also describe what God's kingdom is like. It is based on mercy, for instance, not vengeance peacemaking, not conquests. These are among the ways that we are lights or flashlights in the world. A beatitude is a pronouncement about who is declared fortunate, favored, happy, blessed. It's variously interpreted and translated. In the Bible, the beatitudes are promises Pronouncements from God. But to get us started in exploring Beatitudes, how would the Beatitudes look if they were written by our popular culture, popular wisdom, TV preachers? I think the Beatitudes according to our popular culture would have a heavy dose of prosperity gospel and theology of glory, which is to say In a nutshell, if I can rise from the ashes of this broken world and make something of myself, like a modern-day phoenix, God will then look favorably on me. In the meantime, and most of the time, I don't need God, really, but if I'm in a fix, then maybe. Here is my version of the world's Beatitudes, uh, followed immediately, point by point, by Jesus' Beatitudes. Okay, tell me... Tell me what you think of these. Um, I'll just do the first five. Okay, so here's my first take on uh, my take on the first one. Blessed are the upbeat and positive, for they create their own future. Hmm? Jesus' version of this is, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God." Here. God creates your future, not you, so that your poorness of spirit is not an obstacle for God's unconditional gift. On the contrary. Number two, blessed are those who don't wallow, but pick themselves up and get on with it, for there is work to be done. Again, this is a beatitude according to our world, I think. And there's certainly a mo- A certain amount of truth in every one of these, for sure. Okay? Does that one ring true? Here's Jesus' version. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. (laughs) You see, getting on with it is important. We all know that. Jesus knew it. But not if it's at the expense of mourning. We find God there. In mourning. Number three, blessed are the strong, for they will prevail. Isn't that the way it is in the world? (laughs) Well, what does Jesus say? I think we know that one. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek here does not mean weak, by the way, it means humble and nonviolent, among other things. Number four, Blessed are the righteous and good, for they will be rewarded. Jesus' take is a little different. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness understand that they don't possess it, they don't have it, but they yearn for the righteousness of God. And so they are not self righteous. And my last take on the world's Beatitudes. <sighs> Blessed are the unforgiving, for they are not naive, and they will get even. I mean, you ever watch TV or the movies? How many plots hinge on sweet revenge? And you want it when you're watching it, right? We get sucked into that stuff. Jesus' beatitude is, is this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You see, mercy and forgiveness are not naive and stupid. They are, in fact, the only way, the cycle of violence and destruction can be broken. So, there we have a contrast. Would you submit that the first version of ways of the world it's it's out there, those attitudes, those this is the way you make it in life, huh? And then there's Jesus' Beatitudes. But if the meek, the mournful, and the poor in spirit are the blessed ones, well, what does that say about, about life? If I'm having a good day, should I look for something to bring me down so that I can be blessed? Anxiously awaiting for that day in the next life when my fortunes will be reversed? Are, are we supposed to seek misery here? In fact, there have been great thinkers throughout the ages who have criticized Christian teachings on this very point. Uh, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, the 19th century German philosopher, was openly scornful of the Christian Beatitudes. He thought they were weak-minded and vengeful, Teachings like this, he argued, encourage weakness with the promise that God will one day avenge the weak by punishing the strong. This, Nietzsche found offensive. It's the strong and powerful who deserve to be rewarded, he argued, for it is they, the winners in the world, who have created civilization, not the weak and feeble. I don't think he's the only one that has that point of view. Let me suggest that God's agenda is a little bit different from Nietzsche's. Let me suggest also that Jesus never considered poorness, hunger, and mourning to be virtues in and of themselves, but rather, I would suggest, doors that help us embrace God's promises. The first five Beatitudes, actually, if you, if you look at them carefully, are all about vulnerability, aren't they? And the state of lacking something. Poor, mournful, meek, hungry, thirsty. But raw vulnerability can open us to the saving power of God simply because we need to turn to someone who has the strength that we lack. Meanwhile, those trying to rise above their vulnerabilities heroically or those who wallow in them simply do not see the need for God. They are either delusional or they are cynical. Let me illustrate. A man once journeyed to the Far East to see a great sage, a great teacher. After the seeker arrived, The teacher offered the man some tea and the visitor accepted. The teacher began pouring the tea and the cup filled up. But he kept pouring. It filled all the way up to the brim and he still kept pouring until the tea was overflowing all over the table. And finally the guest said, that's enough, I think my cup is full now. And The teacher said, you're right, your cup is full. It was full when you came. And that is why you will be unable to learn from me. (laughs) After he came all that way? Interesting thought. You see, only when we come with an empty cup can we receive. Put another way, unless we are aware of our lack of knowledge and have a hunger for more knowledge... We can never receive new knowledge. And so it is with anything that we might be considering. Only when we stand before God as poor in spirit can we be given nourishment for our soul. Only when we hunger and thirst for God can God fill us. Only when we mourn injustice in the world as a violation of God can we be comforted and emboldened to work for justice? The Beatitudes are a meditation on the kingdom of God that was suddenly as close to everyone as Jesus himself walking among them. But the Beatitudes invite us to be honest about a painful recognition. Tell the truth that God's promised future is deeply at odds with this broken world of which we are a part. And that gap leaves us poor in spirit. It leaves us mournful. And it should. It means we're paying attention. It means we're being honest. Even more than that, our spirits will be poor and we will mourn Because there is a price to pay when we belong to Jesus and lean into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and embrace its values in a world that is scornful of that, oftentimes, like Nietzsche. And of course, look at what happened to Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow him. Yet, There are unconditional promises here that God will restore us. The kingdom of heaven is our promised future. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Their suffering will end well because God's kingdom prevails. But the Beatitudes are also present declarations in real time. They invite us to be open to the painful or empty spaces in our lives, the distances between this world and God's promised kingdom. But rather than trying to frantically fill those spaces with with clutter so that our cup is full with stuff, we sit still and let God fill it. It is not God's will that we be miserable, you see. It is God's will that we be open to God, who gives life, and that we be honest with ourselves. I remember vividly a time like that in my life. It was the summer after I graduated from high school and I had been chosen to play for Young Life's international basketball team on a promotional tour to Australia. Young Life is a Christian youth organization. Now, this was a real ego builder for me, and one that I really needed, since my senior year had been pretty deflating. Between uh, injuries and subpar performance, I did not have a good year in my favorite sport, basketball. But beyond that, <laughs> my dating life was like listening to crickets. And I, And I struggled with not not fitting in i was an athlete uh but i didn't feel at home with the whole rowdy jock social scene so i was kind of adrift uh i sort of felt (laughs) sometimes like a loser and and like i didn't belong um i felt displaced in my everyday world then the young life thing came around which was great i started feeling better about myself again uh so uh, our team came together from all over the country for a week of training and spiritual discipleship at a camp in California <sighs> but after a few days i was i was dep- i felt depressed though I, I wasn't entirely sure why true I, you know i wasn't playing very well and i hadn't yet bonded with all these guys who kept blocking my shots so this was kind of a replay of my senior year sort of i felt fragile homesick and just down this isn't the way it's supposed to be when you're 18, is it? Got The world by the tail. I tried talking to my coach, a man I, I, I didn't really know, but that didn't help. So I finally decided to go for a walk and be alone with two people I did know. Myself and Jesus. Feeling as though I was led there and invited there, I walked out into the woods. I found this big old rock to sit on. I looked to make sure no one was watching me, and then I kind of started talking. I, I pulled out my empty teacup of a soul and I began talking to God. I hadn't said much when I felt tears coming on, quite a few, in fact. Now, as a typically repressed American male, I, crying isn't something I often did, but, but I, I sure did that day. I remember saying, I'm sorry over and over as I wept. Now, I'm not sure why it came out as a confession that day. Maybe I felt I had gotten cocky or tried too long to pick myself up when I really needed to turn to God with my empty cup. I don't know, but it was pretty clear to me that i had had a year's worth of being poor in spirit, stored up, and now I was mourning my losses and failures. And yet, as I sat on that rock, just allowing myself to mourn and be openly poor in spirit, something happened. I was comforted. I was blessed. My cup started filling up again. So, while my shots continued getting blocked, I built some strong friendships on the team. And I went to Australia feeling a little bit like I had inherited the earth. And I knew it was sheer gift. I was a part of God's merciful and life-giving kingdom that had come to me right smack dab in the midst of my vulnerability. And that's why we were there in Australia in the first place, to share the news about a merciful and life-giving God. Suddenly, this message meant more to me. It felt more real. I really wanted to tell others about it. After my cup was filled, I wanted to shine my light a little more to mix the metaphors. In varying amounts and degrees, this world leaves everyone poor in spirit, whether they care to admit it or not. Leaves everyone mourning, hungering and thirsting for that which matters. Sometimes we don't know what that is, but we hunger and thirst for it. On that day long ago in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to those who were hungering, you will be filled. And he says it today too. Amen. Amen.